Welcome to Women Worth Knowing, the new title for the podcast hosted by Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnut. Women Worth Knowing is not affiliated, associated, authorized, endorsed by, or in any way officially connected with the website Women You Should Know. We're so glad you could join us on Women You Should Know, and we're definitely going to be talking about a woman you should know today. Mm -hmm. I'm Cheryl Broderson, and I'm in studio with... Jasmine Allnut. That's right. Isn't that kind of fun to say your own name? (laughs) Ooh, I know, into the mic. Yeah. Yeah. My name is kind of hard to say. I mean, Cheryl Smith is a hard name to say, but Cheryl Broderson is also hard. I just feel like a mouthful. I think so. I think it's also because I used to lisp. And so so I used to say my name was Fairy Fifths. I couldn't say Sherry Smith, so I was Fairy Fifths. I know. (laughs) Totally the wrong name for somebody. You're an overcomer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which is what we're talking about today. How about that? Yes. Nice lead in. So today we're going to talk about one of my favorite, favorite, favorite people. Mm -hmm. Corey Ten Boom. Mm. But what, this is what I want to say. Remember how when we were talking about Gladys Elward, I'm like, oh, my mom heard Gladys Elward. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know someone else who heard Gladys Elward. I actually heard Corey Ten Boom speak in person, um, wow. I think, no less than 10 times. Really? No that less. many? That's yeah. amazing. Oh, yes. She would come to Calvary Chapel. And I remember at our little chapel and then also at the tent. And she would just make her way to like the front row. And my dad would, you know, get up to maybe pray and Mm. we might have a band or we might have somebody leading worship with just a guitar. And my dad would say, well, I see Corey Tinboom is here. Corey, do you have a word to speak? Now, there were times (laughs) when she was totally scheduled in. But for the most part, my dad really was spontaneous that way. Mm -hmm. And so my dad was, um, for those who don't know who are listening, my dad was a pastor in Southern California. His name was Chuck Smith. And that's kind of a well-known name. In our tribe, so yeah, to speak. In the area. But he would he was really spontaneous. And so if he saw Corey, he always knew that she'd come because she had a specific mm-hmm. word. And mm-hmm. she would shake her head yes. And my dad would say, Well then Corey's gonna come up here. Yeah, no, I I just actually was listening to one of her sermons and it was just like you can tell there's just an anointing like I just have a word from the Lord. So I could definitely see that happening spontaneously without needing to prepare. You know, okay, so <laughs> I've I've been listening again to Tramp for the Lord and, and kind of reviewing some of her other books. She wrote over 20 books. Mm. And I've been looking through wow, those. Really and that's what she said. Many. She would like, she kind of, she kept a journal. And she loved to write every day and just like everything that the Lord was showing her, maybe something she got out of the scripture in Mm. her devotion time, Mm -hmm. or maybe an experience that she had. And she would write them down so that she could either share them later Mm. or maybe put them into a book. Mm. And I think that opens your eyes up to all sorts of experiences that sometimes the Lord's doing something and we forget to just put them down. Yes. I want to warn everybody that this is a two-parter. Yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> ahead of time. It's yeah. worth it, though. <laughs> right. Corey Tidmove is just too much to cover one day. So I thought maybe this session, what we would do, will go up to maybe to the time that she went into the concentration camp. Like early years. Yeah. Right, because there is so much yes. just in this. Yes. But I wanted to get that out that she wrote 20 books. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I want to say that her book, The Hiding Place, is available on Audible. Mm-hmm. And you've probably seen the movie, right? 
No. You have you seen the movie? it? I know. Okay. I know I'm embarrassed to say. Right. <laughs> because we showed it at one of our retreats. We did? Yes. Oh, gosh. Where was I? I but know. let's just, you're probably doing I'll just like, say I was doing a workshop. Oh, yeah. Or a hundred other things. <laughs> Maybe. You know, I mean, do you usually kind of yeah. have a lot of assignments? But what I want to say is, you know, for those of you who aren't acquainted with Corey Ten Boom or that name, mm-hmm. really, you can go on, I think it's on YouTube, the yes. movie, The Hiding Place. Right. Or you can rent it like on Amazon Prime. There's all sorts of different ways, yes. especially if you're in quarantine or anything. The movie The Hiding Place. It's just mm-hmm. a must watch. It's so good. Now, when I was 13 or 14 years old, I had this aunt who was just delicious. She was just amazing. <laughs> My aunt was born in 1901, but she would Annie bring C. me. Yeah, Aunt E.C. <laughs> she would she would bring me like gifts every once in a while. And I remember as a 13-year-old or 14-year-old, it was my birthday. And she gave me Hiding Place, mm. The Hiding Place, and said, you really need to read this. So I read it as a young girl. And it was just one of the most life-changing, amazing books ever. And it, it kept my attention. I mean, it was a page turner. It totally is. Yes. So I want yes. to recommend that. <laughs> and then she gave me Tramp for the Lord. And mm. so my supplier of Corey Tinboom books was my Aunt Isi. <laughs> and I just love Tramp for the Lord, which is a great book, which is it tells a lot of her experiences after Ravensbrook. So after she was released from the concentration camp, I just want to say this, just starting, mm-hmm. she mm-hmm. went into over 63 different countries. Wow, that many. Yeah. yeah. And she spoke for 33 years. So there was 33 years Amazing. that she would go and she would share in different places. And to think, listening to her earlier, I was thinking, wow, Lord, how you sustained her after all she went through. Isn't that That amazing? in itself is a miracle, okay. let alone traveling. And <laughs> All right. Then that's a perfect segue because she was born yes. April 15th. 1892. Ah, she was born in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. Her father, Casper, had a little jewelry shop and watch repair place in Amsterdam. And that's where he met Cornelia, his wife. And they had four children, which they had Betsy, who was mm-hmm. the oldest. And then they had Wilhelm. And then they had Nolly. And then they had Corey. And when Corey was born, she wasn't expected to live. She was born with some health issues, and she was really weak. And again, she was the fourth child. And one of her uncles said, you need to release her to the Lord right now because that child is not going to live. But one of her aunts that they called them tantas, one of her aunts took her and wrapped her in kind of like a makeshift sling and held her against her body all day long and said, she needs to be near my heart. Wow. And held her, every, and would only take it to the mother to to nurse and, you mm-hmm. know, get the nourishment, but then would put her back in this sling and hold her. And Corey grew stronger. And mm-hmm. I mean, this aunt would pray over her the entire time and just said, no, this baby is the Lord's. I'm dedicating mm-hmm. her to the Lord and I'm, I'm going to help her and get to health. When Corey was six months old, mm-hmm. her father, her grandfather died. And so her father moved the whole family to the house that was owned by her grandfather, who was also a Wilhelm. Right, right. So Wilhelm Sr. He had the the watchmaker shop originally, right? And then it got passed down. He did. And what's amazing about this shop is that, you know, it also came with a house. um, Mm -hmm. Attached. A house (laughs) attached, right? Andy. That was above it. Mm -hmm. And what he did is... He had this burden for the Jews. Mm. So get this. In 1844, he started a prayer meeting in Mm. his house 
for the Jews and for Israel because he Amazing. wanted Israel to be a nation again. And oh, when he it. read the Bible, he felt like Israel's supposed to be a nation. So he prayed for their country. And he prayed for the people. And how unique would that have been at that time? Nobody, you know, at, by, at that point, I remember even during the Reformation, they kind of just assumed, well, I guess those promises are actually conferred to us now as, you know, being grafted in. They're not for Israel anymore. So that's really amazing that he would do that. Okay, think about it. In 1944, he started this prayer meeting. 1844. Yeah. 1844. He started this prayer meeting. 1944. Wow. was when they were arrested for having Jews and hiding Jews. Wow. So in 1844, he starts his prayer meeting, and he has it every single week, hmm. every single week, all of his life. And so then when Casper, um, Corey's father, mm-hmm. moves into the house with his children, he continues that prayer meeting. How neat. He wow. He still has that prayer meeting. And so what had happened is one of the aunts moved in with them. or So they had bought the back house. I'm mm-hmm. not quite sure when this happened, mm. but they had bought the back house and they connected them. Now, the house was originally built, get this, in the late 1400s. Oh, so gosh. like around that's 1498 oh yeah, till the 1500s. <laughs> and it was one old. of the newer houses in Harlem. Yeah, that's street. true. It was a very old city. Oh, my gosh, though. That's that's a little bit, whoa. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? So then they joined these two houses. I think one was born in the, uh, built in the late 1400s, and mm. the other one was built in the early 1500s. And they combined <laughs> these two houses. Mm. And so where they combined the two houses, it was like a series of staircases. Uh-huh. And that's important because of what we're going to be uh, yes. talking about later. So Corey is... Uh, raised in this Christian home where there's mm-hmm. Bible reading. Her mother's a wonderful Christian. Mm-hmm. Her brother, Wilhelm, uh, studies to be a minister. Yeah. Her sister, Nolly, gets married, and that leaves Corey and Betsy. Corey started studying watchmaking, and she went to school for one year in Switzerland mm. to become the first woman to receive a watchmaker's license. In the Netherlands. Oh, I love it. First woman ever. I love it. And she loved repairing watches. Mm -hmm. So her sister, Betsy, would take care of the home. Because she Uh, was more weak and sickly, right? She she was. was, And their mother died in 1921, Mm -hmm. Cornelia. She died. Three aunts had lived with them. They died. But growing up, Corey's parents always had people living with them. There was always an aunt, foster children, children of missionaries. Mm. So if the missionaries were, you know, going overseas or, you know, going to Indonesia Mm -hmm, mainly, mm -hmm. because that was kind of like where the Dutch really felt called, they would often leave their children with Corey's Mm. mother, and she would take care of them and raise them as her own. That's so neat. And so Corey grew up with this, just this desire to help people. Yeah, and then I think she and Betsy eventually kind of started to take on that that role as well. Yes, they did. Raising the kids. Yes, they did. Especially when the the mom died. Yeah. So Corey gets her watchmaker's license and she also starts a Sunday school class. Hmm. And she has 30 girls in the Sunday school class and she has 20 boys. And so she's already teaching Sunday school. Plus she (laughs) takes care of the disabled. She does that on on the side. So So she had just such a heart for those who were infirmed. Yeah. And this is so important because it just comes into, it weaves all through the hiding place, Mm. her heart for those who had been infirmed, and it'll come back again once she becomes arrested. And you'll Mm -hmm. see how intricately God had been weaving and working in her Mm. life. Yeah. So 
first woman. She has this youth club for girls, and she gives them religious instruction. She teaches them to sew, and she did music, so she knew how to play the piano. And so there's a family of four. They're in Amsterdam now. She falls in love at 23 years old with a man named Carol. And she just—it's the love of her life. She's so excited. Willem's friend, right? Right, Willem's friend, friend, and he has feelings for her Mm. too. And it's really special. Except for his mother says that she, Willem's friend, Carol, that Carol (laughs) has to marry somebody who was wealthier. That a watchmaker's daughter was not considered classy enough or elegant enough for her son. So he marries somebody from the upper class, and it breaks Corey's Mm -hmm. heart. But then she learns to forgive and to you know, love and just give it to the Lord. It's hard and it's painful, but she gives it to the Lord. And even that, I think, is just, like you were saying, weaving through these things she's learning, you know, to forgive. Like, these are mm-hmm. all lessons she's learning early that will come in later. That's, early on. Yeah. So, you know, she's she's what we might call an old maid. She's 52, yeah, yeah, and her sister's 59. Mm. And, you know, they've been working with their father for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And it was in... May 10th in 1940, Mm. that bombs started dropping. The Germans started dropping bombs Mm -hmm. on Holland. And Corey awoke during one of these bomb raids and just couldn't sleep. So she went downstairs and her sister made her a cup of tea. And they sat there and they drank tea together and just kind of, you know, waited for the blitz to be over with. And a couple hours later, she went upstairs to her bedroom. She's on the top floor and she she goes to climb into bed and she feels something very sharp mm-hmm. and in her bed. And she realizes it's a large piece of shrapnel. Had she not gone down for that cup of tea, she would have been hit and Gosh, she would have died. Crazy. So, you know, Betsy's like, oh, Corey, let's give thanks that your life has been spared. God must have something for you. So that's amazing. So <laughs> I love she probably didn't see it that way. I love how <laughs> Betsy always saw the bright oh, side. It was always. Just, yeah. <laughs> so on May 14th, um, Holland completely capitulated. The, mm, the queen yeah. left. In fact, it was interesting because that on May 10th, they listened to their queen say, no, we're going to be neutral. We've got these promises from Hitler. Oh, wow. And by that <laughs> evening, the bombs were started. Yeah. It was like crazy. So quick. And oh. then on the 14th, the queen had left and Holland capitulated to Hitler, and they had mm. all these promises from Germany, which German Germany didn't keep one. The Nazis didn't not, keep one. Yeah. The first thing that happened was that they installed a curfew. Then they made people have ration cards. They yeah. collected all the radios. Yeah. They took away all the telephones. And I think they started even seeing the, the things were happening to the Jews. Like it was strange. People would within, suddenly not be there. That's right. Within within weeks. Right. People weren't there. Businesses were shut down right. that were owned by Jews. Yeah. And then they started seeing some of their friends that they'd worked with with Jewish stars mm-hmm, on. Mm-hmm. And somehow it became known that her father's clientele were Jews. And so yeah. they took food to them. They were worried about them. So then they started seeking Corey for refuge. Mm-hmm. And Corey mm-hmm. was able just to find them um, places of escape. And her brother. Had, placed them. Yeah, Wilhelm, yeah. by this time, and her uh, nephew, Kick, mm-hmm. and her nephew, Peter. I think Kick is short for Christian. <laughs> They set up, uh, they joined the underground, the resistance. Mm. But Corey wasn't aware of this because nobody's supposed to be aware of it. She right. just knew <laughs> if she got a Jew that came and stayed with her, they would, you know, her brother would help yeah. find a yeah. place. So the next thing she knows, she's invited to this meeting. And at this meeting, she recognizes some of the people, but everyone in- introduces themselves as Mr. 
or Miss or Mrs. Schmidt. Everybody's a Schmidt. <laughs> and she realizes that this they're not allowed to know any names right. or any information wow. where anyone has come from. Because if they do and they're arrested, they, they could give away information and that could be so dangerous. So nobody's allowed to know the names of anybody. So she wow. goes, and this is how she's inducted into the French resistance. I mean, sorry, the Dutch <laughs> resistance. This is how it happens. And so... The next thing she knows, there's a man there, and he says, I know your house. I'll be visiting Mm -hmm. you soon. So he visits, and he creates a hiding place, and he does it up in Corey's room. And they find, because the two houses were connected, there's a section, and if they just pull out the wall Mm. two feet into Corey's room, they can make this incredible hiding place that can hold at least eight people and they, you know, can put a mattress in there and they create a bookshelf and they just do this masterful work. And this guy was amazing. Like Mm -hmm. he came in, he's like, you know, he just knew exactly what they needed to do to create a a good front so that the Nazis would never suspect. And that it had to be on the top floor. Yeah. To give the people time because it would take the Nazis time to get up there. They always started. He knew how the Gestapo worked. So smart. That they always started on the bottom floor. And Corey showed him the place where, you know, well, we have this place where we store the cards and we do this. And he's like, this is terrible. No, <laughs> don't do this. So there's all sorts of stories that we're skipping, like the ration cards. Oh, my and, goodness. Yeah. But you have that's, to read the book. Because that's right. We're just this is gonna, a tease. This a is a tease because it's it's. I think it's a must read for everybody. Yes. And so anyway, Corey becomes part of the resistance. Mm. So there's a story that's in Tramp for the Lord that mm. is not in the hiding place. Oh, okay. And I heard her tell it on, I was listening to YouTube and she was mm. telling the story again. She really, really did become a substantial person in the Dutch resistance. Mm. And she kind of downplays her role, but she right. had a very substantial role. And one of the things she did is she found out that a hundred babies were about to be taken by the Germans, by the Nazis. Mm. They were going to take this orphanage that had a hundred Jewish babies. And so she organized her students, her Bible students. Mm. She had 50 Bible students. She organized them and they were part, they became part of the Dutch resistance Mm. as well as she knew, I think it was another 20 like housewives and 10 more men that were all part of uh, ones that she was over, these hundred, she was over these 80 people. She was over part of how she organized. And she was super good. She had a gift for organization. (laughs) So she organized them. And they went at night and the boys, the boys stole the babies and brought them to Corey. And Corey placed every single baby safely in a Dutch home. Amazing. Now, someone asked her, how did you do that? She says, I will tell you a secret. Here's your secret. Many of the Nazi soldiers, the German soldiers, would come to her house and say, we don't want to work for Hitler. We don't like what he's doing to the Jews. Uh, we're, we're Christians. We love Jesus. Mm. How can you help us? And she helped sneak the German soldiers to freedom. Wow. But they had to leave their uniform. So they also had a collection of German uniforms, and she dressed her young men in German uniforms, and they went in there like German soldiers. Brilliant. But the orphanage was cooperating because they wanted to save these babies, too. Mm. And so when the Gestapo came to get the babies, they're like, what babies? You know, you came and got them last night. So great. It was so clever. It was brilliant. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was just thinking, like— just her, her, just how clever and how bold she was in doing all of this. I was remember reading like one of the early when it had to do with the ration cards and going yes. to collect ration cards. How she 
you know, in her mind, she was like, I can't do this. And she's like, without, you know, somebody would ask person helping, like, well, how many ration cards do you need? And she's like, oh, I just wanted to say, oh, four or five. She's like, but I found myself saying 100. Yes. And, and thinking like, wait, why am I asking for this? It was like the Lord just gave her a boldness and a confidence that she grew in through this whole process. And also to learn to ask the Lord, how many yeah. do I need? Yeah. How she many? wouldn't have thought to do that. Yeah. That's right. So they are working with the Jews that are staying with them. And they had to, the Schmitz that mm. came in to help them, they not only set up an alarm system, and also that there was a sign in the window when it was their house was safe. Mm. And when their house wasn't safe, that it was a advertisement for Swiss watches. Nice. And so they would put that in and mm. then take it out when it wasn't safe. Also, because of their business, they were able to get their telephone back. So they would mm-hmm. speak in code and all of their codes had to do with watches. Like, Love it. Like the watches from Switzerland have all been sold, mm-hmm. which means that, you know, they escaped and they're in right. safety. You know, they've all, you know, gone to people. And so they had all these different codes that they would use because they knew that the Germans were tapping their phones oh, yeah. and they were. Oh, yeah. They were tapping their phones. So so they would sit at the table and somebody, you never knew who was going to do it, would hit the alarm. And they had to see how fast they could get the Jews in the room. And they got it. They wanted it under a minute, but it was 70 seconds. They got it down to 70 seconds. And they practiced this like every day. Incredible. But they began to take liberties that maybe they shouldn't because Corey loved music. They all loved music. They were a very musical family. And they, one of the Jews staying with them was a cantor. And he Mm. could sing like incredibly. And one day they were just rejoicing. In fact, the Baye was known as the most joyful refuge for Jews Mm. that you could find. Mm. And so one day they were singing and they would do Jewish songs. They would do Christian songs, all of them. And this cantor was singing and the neighbor next door says, you're going to get us all arrested. Don't you know you can hear the singing in the streets and we know Jewish songs when we hear them. So they had to be careful, oh, and yeah. they knew that they were pretty much known. And didn't their ne- didn't her nephew Peter get arrested because he boldly just went out and played the Dutch national anthem after in it church? Was, he yeah, played it after in a church. It was yeah. prohibited, and he like, was arrested. That was yeah, not. A and good then move. later released, but he was really <laughs> active in the Dutch resistance. Mm-hmm. Both he and his brother Christian. So, but Peter, <laughs> he's the musical genius. Yes, who, um, but. They're going to have to read the book. Yeah, I'm not you telling guys can that learn story. more about Peter. That's right. You, you got it. You got it. You got to do some work here. <laughs> Sorry. So they were pl- they were singing and it was too loud. <laughs> it was too loud. So anyway, they learned to uh, be quiet. They got it down to 70 seconds to get Hide. the Jews in hiding. Now, Casper was not really aware of what was going on, Aww. but he loved Jews and he knew that his house was always open and he was protecting. He's in his 80s now. Mm. But when these men would come in and say, I'm Mr. Schmidt, he'd be like, wait. No, I I just met a Schmidt yesterday. Oh, my goodness. Are you the Schmidt from here or the Schmidt from there? And Corey <laughs> would be like, Dad, no. So one day, Corey was upstairs. She was really, really sick with the flu. Mm. And the man came in. His name was uh, Jan Vogel. And he wanted to see only Corey. So Corey goes down to meet this Dutch man, and he has a story that his wife has been arrested, and he needs to, uh, he needs 600 guilders to set her free. You know, please, please. And she's like, I don't have that kind of money. And she's not feeling really good about it, but she's sick. Mm. So she she's not totally thinking straight. Yeah, yeah. So finally she says, I'll do what I can, and he leaves. And an hour, less than an hour, he's back with the Gestapo. <sighs> and... 
Betsy, you know, hears a knock on the door and presses the alarm. She just has this feeling. She looks mm. out because it's all cars. And yep. only the Gestapo had cars. No one in Holland had cars. They only had, you know, bicycles. Right. They've taken all the cars away from the people. So the Jews get safely in Corey's room. They cover the hiding place. Corey goes back to bed. And then the German sh- soldiers, uh, the Gestapo comes. They raid the house. They're very rough with Betsy and mm. Corey. They hit them. Um, they blackened their eyes. Mm. They slapped them. And yet neither Corey nor Betsy gave any information away. But the thing was is that Betsy knocked the sign down so nobody would see. Mm. But um, one of the Gestapo realized what was going on, put the sign back in the window. So that day, 37 people were arrested because people kept coming <sighs> to the Belle. Uh, and so 37 people were arrested. They were all taken to, and I would butcher this if I could say it, but it's like Schwingen, Schwingen, uh prison <laughs> in Harlem. Mm. And they're there. Corey's put in solitary confinement because of the pleurisy. And so she doesn't know what's going on with anybody else. But before she was put in, while they're in this waiting room, all of them would always have a scripture in their shoe. And they begin to share with each other what scripture promise they had in their shoes mm. to encourage one another. So Corey goes into solitary confinement, and one day this judge calls her into his office and says, Corey, I need to talk to you. And she had at one point taken care of the judge's handicapped child. So the judge remembered her and said, you know, there's a lot of incriminating papers. They found all of Corey's papers in the house, and he's got them there, and it's a stack. And And he turns and he throws them in the furnace. He goes, but I don't know what they did with them. (laughs) <laughs> and Corey's watching all the incriminating documents against her just being burned away. Mm. But then she was put back in that room. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And for four months, she's in that room, not knowing about her family or anything. But she has the only friend she has is the Lord and a little aunt. And she feels like the Lord <laughs> sends this aunt to her. But one day she starts singing, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. And the whole corridor begins to sing, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. Mm. And this is an encouragement. Well, after four months, she's reunited with Betsy. She's better by this time. And the Lord did all sorts of miracles, even during that four months. She's reunited with Betsy, and they're put on these train cars. And they don't know where they're going. And these these cars that are supposed to just hold, you know, cattle and that, they they put as Mm -hmm. many women pressed against each other. And they found that if they all could stand to this side, they could make it work. Mm -hmm. And they're taken to a different concentration camp in Holland. Mm, And then they're in Holland, and that's hard. They're put to work. And like sort of like a work camp, not work as much camp. like mm-hmm. what we would. And think Betsy's of, yeah. put to like I can't remember. I think Betsy was what they assigned Betsy, but Corey, it was just work. It was knitting and things, and Corey didn't really enjoy that so much. Mm. And the man realized that Corey had skill with watches, so he put her doing the mechanics. And Corey was so good, mm. and he came and he said, "Don't be this good." These are for German soldiers. And she was like, oh. And so she was able to do some resistance even in that place. Mm -hmm. So this is where Mm -hmm. we'll stop. And next time we get together, we'll talk about what happened in Ravensbrück. And there's just so much more to talk about. Yes. So join us next week. You're going to enjoy this and you're going to want to hear more about Corey Tin Boom. So this is Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnut signing off. (laughs) And we've got so much more to say when we hear from you again. 
Thank you for listening to Women You Should Know with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnut. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow Jasmine on Twitter or Facebook. If you have a woman we should know about, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at WYSK at CCCM.com. Make sure you've subscribed to this podcast available now on any streaming service. Thank you again for listening to Women You Should Know with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnut.